and welcome to Primary Care Spotlight, the podcast that brings you all the latest news and insights from Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub. Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub is delivered in partnership with Kerner Health CIC, working on workforce development programmes across the Cornwall health and care system, and we are here to support all those working in primary care. Hello and welcome to this episode of Primary Care Spotlight, where I had the opportunity to talk with a group of clinical psychologists working in primary care in Cornwall. And they explain what clinical psychology actually is and how well it actually fits into general practice. So they share the model that they've used and their success stories. And it was really, really interesting. And I actually learned a lot. And um, I'm really hopeful that the, the uh, clinical psychologists are going to be seeing more in primary care. So I hope you enjoy this episode too. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. If you can just introduce yourselves, uh, sort of name, job role, that would be great. Hi, I'm Dr. Bex McGill. I'm a GP clinical psychologist over here in Norston Medical Centre. Hi, I'm Dr. Emily Ferguson. I'm also a clinical psychologist working in Norston Medical Centre. Hi, I'm Katie Monakendam. I'm a trainee clinical psychologist at the Medical Centre. Um, and I'm Pip Wood, also a trainee clinical psychologist at the Medical Centre. Lovely. So probably a really good place to start is what exactly is a clinical psychologist? OK, well, a clinical psychologist is a mental health professional who is trained in assessment, formulation, intervention and evaluation for distress and psychological difficulties. I suppose formulation is critical and more unique to psychologists um, and that relates to a shared understanding that's developed between the professional and the patient. It's relating to how we understand the difficulties that people experience and it often involves looking at a full history for the individual rather than just those primary symptoms that they're presenting with. Um, it thinks about why the problem has not already spontaneously resolved and it might consider the individual's learning or their thoughts, uh, behaviours and their wider context as part of that. Um, I guess it's important to note that clinical psychologists are trained across the lifespan um, and we can work in varied and diverse environments. Um, it's pretty common for psychologists to work kind of solely in mental health settings, but actually we, we do quite a lot more than that as well. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably what my immediate thoughts go to, just mental health, but it's interesting to know it's more than that. We can work across neurodiversity as well, like ADHD and autism, um, and also things like learning disabilities and dementia, as well as within health psychology and health promotion as well. Yeah. And the good thing about being based in the GP practice means that we're not providing just a mental health service, but actually a service that promotes psychosocial factors in presentations. So we might look at depression, diabetes, addiction, arthritis, bereavement, bariatrics, all those sorts of things. So how did the model come about? Well, I was doing some King's Fund leadership training and I met a GP and a social prescriber there. And that was early 2020, I think. Um, pre-pandemic we did a project together about becoming truly biopsychosocial and we were talking about how services can decapitate patients looking at either the head and mental health or the body and physical health but really not tying it together or pulling in the context and I was quite frustrated by the lack of access to psychologists too even in the mental health teams let alone outside of that core provision and the GP practice wanted to improve on its mental health provision um, mainly because they were noticing they were seeing a lot more of it in their appointments, um, as well as the comorbidity with the physical health. So by February 2021, 
I'd kind of put my money where my mouth was and signed a contract to work at the GP practice instead. And then I started bringing in these guys. Lucy Marks, who supervises Beck, published a paper via the British Psychological Society asking, can we afford to be without clinical psychologists in primary care? Um, And actually, back in the 1990s, psychologists working in primary care settings and GP services was more common, but they didn't really do it the exact way that we do it now. Um, So last year, I was a trainee psychologist um, doing my doctorate at Plymouth University, and we had to decide on our elective placements. So I got in touch with Bex and had a little chat about what they do over here, and it sounded really interesting. Um, I knew that they had employed her directly, but I wasn't really aware of the ins and outs of the job at the time. But by the time I'd finished my placement, I had taken a full-time job here as well. I felt as though this way of working really allowed us to access patients in a way that approach allowed us to approach mental and physical health together. And that's actually not the norm across the UK in practices. So this model allows us to meet the population with what they need. And actually, we're able to do that in quite a timely and joined up way and hopefully aim to prevent further problems by being available early on. So what does the Lancer model look like on a day to day basis? And what is the role? Well, we've got two full time clinical psychologists and each have a psychology clinic that looks much like any of the GPs with a set number of appointments each day. And then us trainees share a clinic, which is slightly smaller and more bespoke to our learning needs um, compared to yeah, the bigger clinic. Um, so overall, there are between 18 and 34 psychology appointments per day. Um, these slots are filled either by a psychologist booking in a follow up contact, the GPs putting one of their patients into a slot um, or the patients that come via our telephone line or online appointment request system. So if a patient self-identifies as having a mental health concern or is asking about neurodiversity, bereavement, school refusal, self-harm, sleep or addiction, um, then they're automatically offered psychology. Um, Our telephone patient advisors are trained to ask patients if their difficulty might be about emotions, stress or mental health and to offer a psychologist instead of a GP as well. And the really good thing about it is that there's no inclusion or exclusion criteria. So we try and remove all the barriers to accessing a psychologist. Um, A lot of our appointments are one-off assessment formulation and signposting. However, we do also offer more detailed specialist assessments, um, more long-term formulation work and therapy. Um, We also hold joint appointments with people like teachers, addiction workers, domestic violence and sexual assault services. Um, as well as the community mental health staff and people's families. Um, So the idea is to be entirely flexible and work creatively to hold a truly person-centred approach. And then amongst these things traditionally understood to be about the brain and mind, there are issues of the body too. And then it's about health psychology and health promotion issues. So somebody might call saying that they just can't find the motivation to lose weight or Um, call saying that they're in pain and they're tired all the time and then they can come directly to psychology. Similarly a GP might ask us to work with a patient on accepting a diagnosis or changing a health behaviour for instance around diabetes management or deciding to attend for a specific procedure like an endoscopy or an MRI. So why a clinical psychologist and not a mental health practitioner then? Um, So mental health practitioners offer something really valuable. They're professionals who have got specific mental health assessment training 
Um, so they can offer one-off mental health appointments and signposting, as well as understanding the mental health risks. Um, many of them have more training on medications and psychologists, as this is not typically covered in much detail in psychology training. Um, and they can help GP practices to, to by helping to alleviate some of the weight of the quantity of appointments. So it, it's not, not about mental health practitioners. Um, what's different about clinical psychologists is that we can all also provide intervention from the outset. So this might reduce onward referral or plug some gaps between services. Sometimes a one-off session of understanding where a person's difficulties may have arisen from or being able to say that to them, based on what you've told me, it makes total sense that things are tough at the moment, is enough to help people feel understood and more in control to make change. Um, using psychological theory to explain our brains and bodies helps people to feel less alienated and hopefully more able to access support. Clinical psychologists should offer more than a repository for a group of patients at a GP practice, though. We also work to change the system around them and the views of primary care clinicians, which is liable to be quite medical in this setting. Yeah. I like to think that we contribute indirectly by thinking about practice policy, about staff well-being, um, about how we communicate with the population too. So clinical psychologists are used to tackling the system at the same time as thinking about those individuals in it. And I'm writing my thesis at the moment around what GP psychologists contribute. Um, and what I'm really learning is that what GPs initially thought the psychologists could offer has developed and progressed in a lot of positive ways, which highlights maybe other people's understanding of what clinical psychologists offer. Uh, so it's not only about the direct work with patients and offering therapy, which is something that mental health practitioners can also offer. Um, but it's in the indirect interventions alongside this that are unique to clinical psychologists. Um, so those are things like consultations with staff, uh, maybe about patients. It might be team building with staff. It might be influencing service policies or offering training or just being available um, in the coffee room for a quick chat and check in. Uh, so these are the things that are really helpful, um, as well as the direct work with patients. And another example of indirect intervention is the clinical psychologist working with management and partners to shape the practice. And that's about formulating the needs of the team or population level difficulties. So, for example, that might be around accessing the service or it could be around recruiting or retaining staff. Might also be about making us trauma informed or thinking about embedding other legislation or quality improvement initiatives. And at Launceston, they've recently run a GP away day to help us kind of come together as a team and think about this and do some problem solving together, which has been really helpful as well. So how does having psychology within the GP practice benefit services on a systemic level? So the in-house psychology model allows for joint working, CPD and training for GP staff, as well as team coaching and reflective practice activities. The GPs say they feel supported um, by knowing that there is someone in the building ready and able to help with more complex presentations of mental health or physical health with comorbid psychological factors. This model has also allowed for more direct liaison between the surgery and other primary and secondary care services. So we're really well linked up with other services in the area. And our, our latest ventures include providing CPD to the community college um, and building up a resource library for the GPs and engaging in kind of community work alongside the social prescriber who's also at the practice. Um, and that sometimes happens at the local library as well. Something I'm quite excited about is that the psychology team here 
has recently been thinking about systemic influences on our patients and the reasons for the increasing demand on the service. And we've started thinking about health inequalities and trends in our population. So my new ambition is to establish a community health hub from which we can then joint work with voluntary sector services and the parts of the NHS around us that have accidentally become a bit fragmented by current commissioning, um, like those that specialise in addiction, abuse, emotional instability or things like chronic pain or loneliness. Okay, so what do patients think? I think it's so far so good. We conducted a survey about this and we texted a link to all of the patients who'd seen who'd been seen in the practice by psychology within the first six months. The responses were positive regarding the new roles with 119 out of 137 respondents reporting the service to be good or very good. Mm. Service users reported feeling held in-house and said they were able to access an expert for support and advice alongside their regular GP. Of the responses that we got that were neutral, unsure or unsatisfied, the the feedback predominantly raised concerns around the lack of face-to-face appointments due to the pandemic Mm. and actually having a preference for seeing their regular GP. But following this feedback, we've increased the amount of psychology appointments and doubled our staff, meaning it's far more possible to do home visits and face-to-face contacts. Um, We're therefore in the process of repeating the survey now to see what people are thinking. But anecdotally, many patients are pleasantly surprised that it's something that's offered by their surgery as they don't often feel, sorry, as they often feel they don't know where to access mental health support. So what do you like most about the model? I feel value congruent. I get to do what I truly believe is the best I can by each patient. The service commissioning boundaries and the service level agreements, they don't constrain my person-centred ideals here. I feel like I'm far freer to work around the system and approach or create services for patients or groups of patients in this role. I also just like the diversity of the job and the learning opportunities. I like that we can help people in quite a wide variety of ways. Um, We're really not constrained by a service specification around the number of sessions that we have to have or working in in a specific psychological model. And I think that helps us work towards getting it right the first time or being able to be flexible and work alongside other services to really align with a biopsychosocial approach to health. I like that each day is varied and rewarding and requires me to use all aspects of my psychological training. Um, This December, I published an article in a magazine called The Psychologist, um, and it was called We Tried to Remove All Barriers to Accessing a Psychologist. It was an interview style, and they asked me about what motivated my placement here. Um, I said I wanted to hear the voices of those not listened to and to be a clinician that gave service users a good experience of professionals to be a step in their journey and allow them to feel able to move forwards. Um, So this placement has actually enabled me to develop my own confidence and working across the lifespan and with a diverse range of presentations. I feel proud to have been involved in the development of the service and contributing to the change of culture and promotion of creative ways of working. And I really like the preventative aspect. So we're often getting patients, we're getting in before patients need onward referrals elsewhere. So they might benefit from some brief psychoeducation and a couple of sessions to make sure, make sense of their difficulties or what they've been through. And often that can be enough to empower them to go away and make really beneficial changes to their lives. 
Um, so we can help to prevent the cycle that many patients experience of being bounced between different services, as well as the stigmatisation of having to be referred to a mental health service and having to wait a long time to be seen, often during which their difficulties get a lot worse. Um, so a lot of patients feel more comfortable coming into the surgery to be seen. And I guess that's what yeah I've, I've really noticed and really liked about working here. So this, I mean, this sounds absolutely amazing. The, the patients, must, it's fantastic that they have this like on the doorstep, frontline primary care. It seems madness that it isn't where it's just always been situated. Um, but I suppose this is quite pioneering what you're doing. I mean, I'm thinking from like, I'm a di- I, I work with patients who have diabetes and obviously there's lots of things around diabetes distress and mental health and people accepting diagnosis. And you think, wouldn't it be fantastic to be able to refer to you guys? Um, what do you think are the chances? That, is this going to get rolled out? You know, are, are we going to see more clinical psychologists in general practice? Like obviously, great for Launston. <laughs> they've got you but would wouldn't it be wonderful to see this everywhere and is that something that's going to happen I think so we're already offering consultation to other areas so that they can set it up for themselves we've had conversations with with PCNs in London Hampshire Devon Mm. (coughs) we're very happy to have chats with PCNs around um, Cornwall or the southwest or beyond to help them to get this off the ground too because I was helped to get it off the ground myself. Yeah. There's recently um, been a British Psychological Society conference where they've set up a faculty for primary care psychologists. That's never existed yeah. before. And yeah. 80 people signed up to it overnight. Wow. I'll now be on the board for that faculty, I think. Mm. And it will be led by my supervisor, I think. And they will run in part with the Lanson model, which is what we've been describing today, um, because it creates jobs that psychologists really enjoy Mm. and it's better for patients, I think. I think we'll start to see this becoming more of the norm again. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And I guess the last thing I usually ask, but you might not have any, is if you have any final thoughts or something, a point you would like to end on. Yeah, I suppose my final thought is that I'm quite grateful that the practice over here took the gamble of trialing this model there's not so many teams that would have been um, ready and willing to do that because we didn't know if it would work or not and the partners have invested in it and I'm grateful for that they're very supportive they let us try things and and so far so good I'm excited about what will come next yeah that's fantastic well thank you all for speaking on the podcast I really appreciate it you're welcome thank you you. Bye. bye That's all today from Primary Care Spotlight. Thank you for listening and I look forward to you joining me again soon. For more information, you can visit our website www.kernerhealthcic.org.uk forward slash Cornwall training hub. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cornwall underscore TH and on Facebook at Cornwall Training Hub. To speak to the Training Hub team about how we can help your practice or career, please contact us at kernerhealthcic.workforce at nhs.net. If you have content ideas or would be interested in being interviewed for the podcast, please do get in touch. Bye for now.